really, really excited for you. Yeah, loving the stuff you're doing around using AI tools and making it work for for strategists. It's really awesome. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it was it was good. I'm pretty excited about AI for strategists and their job. It kind of feels like, you know, I feel like I caught the first wave of social media, and then yeah. this feels like it all over again. So. It's like, yeah, it's exciting to, it's definitely very exciting to see that kind of all evolve. I feel like the heat's kind of come out of it a little bit mm. on AI, but I, I still think there's people are pretty excited about it. I feel like about a month ago, it was like every week, every day, yeah. was like something massive. Oh, no. I promise you there's going to be something massive every month because every month is going to be some, I like, it's going to, there's eventually going to start being the AI's evil conversation, right? Like that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to happen sooner than later. I mean, yeah. there was an article in the financial times about how like AI has taken its first scalp and it was all about how like these education companies, like they give help kids with homework. It's like, yeah. We're losing out. They're like, we're losing to ChatGBT because kids just go on there, use that. And so it's like, that's the first one. There's going to be so many more. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, well, we're just going to kind of get into it and just, you know, go from there and see what what comes of it. Welcome to Transient Conversations from Urban Hideout, a podcast designed to inspire and educate anyone who wants to become a nomad through the conversations with digital nomads and travelers. At Transient Conversations, we believe in balanced community and exploration. We value authentic connections, foster dynamic communities, and embrace curiosity and exploration. Today, we'll be talking to Julian Cole, Julian Cole is a strategy consultant to leading brands including Uber, Apple, Facebook, and Disney. Previously, he was head of comms planning at BBDO New York, where he oversaw a team of 15 strategists who created award-winning work for Bacardi, Foot Locker, Mountain Dew, GE, Snickers, M&M's, Lowe's, Interscope Records, Bombay Sci-Fi, and the Sandy Hook Foundation. Julian now runs the Strategy Finishing School, where he helps aspiring and professional strategists level up their game. Let's get into the conversation. I'm excited to chat to you about it because you feel, it seems like you've been living a nomad lifestyle for a while now. So I'd love for you just to give folks a background of who you are and just you know what that experience was like when you made the transition from I'm working in one place, living in one place, to now I'm going to take... You know, I'm going to take the opportunity to live and work wherever I, I, my heart desires. Yeah. So my background is in advertising. So I was in ad agencies for probably like 12 years. And the last two kind of big jobs were um, heading up communications planning at both BBH and BBDO in New York. So they were the last kind of office jobs I had. I then took a year off with my wife. And we did a sabbatical around the world and we decided to end up in LA. We wanted to try somewhere new. And that's when I started freelancing. And that year, that was 2019. We also set up the, I also set up like the, my first online course, which was called Planning Dirty Academy. It's since changed to Strategy Finishing School, but coming up to, I guess, four years on Strategy Finishing School now. And that, I guess, was 
my first kind of, like I was freelancing in LA, but not for many LA agencies. So I was flying out to Chicago, New York a lot. And that was, and then I started doing kind of like, I did workshops as well with a friend called Mark Pollard and we did them around the, around the world. So we did Chicago, LA, New York, London, and Brazil. And that was really fun. It was like exciting. It felt like being in a kind of band or something and yeah. with a really good mate. So we did that. We ended up, I didn't really love LA. I found it really hard to make friends there. And I was working from home and I think that was like a massive problem because I didn't really meet that many people. And so we ended up moving back to New York and four weeks later, COVID hit. And we moved to Australia, back to Australia, living out of my parents' granny flat for six months. And that's when I went all kind of, I just, when we moved back to New York, I decided to go all in on the school and yeah. And so back in Australia, in parents' granny flats, my wife started an online course too. So we were both, I guess you'd call them fully remote. Um, businesses and we lived in Australia for two years my wife wasn't really keen on moving back to Australia she's Australian as well and so we're like where's next where are we going next and we both wanted to I wanted to live in Europe I love European history and I love Europe as a place hadn't really lived there before so we just moved to Lisbon four months ago with our we've also on the way, we've collected a baby, so an 11-month-old now, and the three of us live in Lisbon now. So we've lived here since Jan. It's now May, so I think it's coming up to four months, so four yeah. months here. And, yeah, it's. It, I think there was a. it was a really interesting point for us that happened where we both realized we were like, we're, we've got jobs where we literally can work anywhere in the world doing these jobs. Mm-hmm. Why are we back in our hometown working yeah. from here when, you know, this is, it's not like our parents who were tied down to this place or we weren't tied yeah. to any place. It's like we can now write our own, yes, write our own story of like where our life goes and what we want to do. And so I think that was a really interesting moment and one that led us to Lisbon. Nice. That's incredible. And and it seems like your move was originally propelled by COVID, right? You felt like being stuck in New York wasn't a great idea during the middle of COVID. So you moved to Australia and then you were like, why am I back here? <laughs> and yeah. that propelled you again. Yeah. Yeah. It was health insurance really. And just not feeling very confident around our visa status. I mm-hmm. think they were the two things that really kind of pushed us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say you mentioned a little bit about the challenge of living in LA and not being able to make friends. What other challenges did you experience as you kind of were making these moves or decisions to move and and try different places? So it's funny now that we've done it four times, I think we've kind of got down pat of where pressure points are going to be. So there's the original pressure of understanding your visa situation i think that's the first thing you've got to realize is like does this country actually want you to live here if we're talking about permanent residents and you're going to be working there does this country want me what are the visa what's 
the visa like? How easy is it to get that visa? How is it easy will it be to set myself up as a company or am I going to be a freelancer? So I think that's the first question and the first bridge that you've got to cross. The second one for me is uprooting your life. So breaking a leaf, what are you going to do with all that furniture and like cutting off all your life in that city that you're currently in? And then I think that's all the stuff, the preamble stuff where you're back in the country you're in. And then when you arrive somewhere, I think the original stresses are probably like getting yourself your visa kind of sorted. So for us in Portugal, it was another two months till our visa really got sorted, working out the banking system. And then the biggest one, I think, depending on the market you're moving into is finding accommodation, something you want to live in, getting a lease. And sometimes it can be really hard. Sure. you know paperwork in that country it can it can be really tough or the rental market just might be insane which is what we experienced in portugal we thought ah this isn't going to be you know we're paying on par to what we pay in new york which kind of blows my mind where people are like oh yeah portugal's so cheap it's so cheap to like eat here and stuff mm-hmm. and at the moment they're going through an insane rental rental market with the pressure from like airbnbs and tourism plus you know, a lot of expats moving there. So I complain, but my complaint is not nearly as serious as the locals here are really being pushed out and, yeah. and the affordability of living in this city. So that's something you got to deal with as well. So I think there, if I was to break it down into the four things, it would be the start is the visa, then clearing up your life in the country you're in, then visa, bank, admin stuff on the side when you're here and then getting a renter's house and then furnishing that house if you're not bringing furniture over. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fascinating thing we, we've talked about as a group of like one of our, one of our partners actually is moving to Germany right now, making the move. And he's talking about the, the nature of nomadism and like doing it well and sustainably and, and with respect to the people around you. Cause it is, it is a thing where now People that were living in lovely lives in a, in a in a low cost living area are now being they're competing with a global market for those places. How have you kind of I don't know how have you kind of processed that as you made your move and and how have you been integrating with the locals as now that you've been there for about four months? Yeah, I think understanding and reading about the situation is really important. So it's like for me, I probably didn't have as much foresight as I do now, which is to be expected of how serious the situation was here with accommodation. But now reading up on it and really understanding the situation, I think is key. So I'm not just kind of blindly coming in here and not understanding the nuance of the situation. And then integrating in here into Portugal, I think I've got a big advantage, which is having an 11-month-old baby who's strapped to the front of me because the Portuguese... (laughs) love kids so <laughs> it's been great like yeah having dash who's our little daughter having her and we'll take her into cafes and you know the angriest looking bitter old man would just light up and just yeah. be so excited to see her <laughs> so yeah she's definitely our secret weapon into melting the hearts of the locals here yeah so just get a baby is what you're saying just just yeah, bring, a baby. bring a baby if you've got a friend who has a baby just ask just, if you can borrow that for yeah a couple of months <laughs> you'll be fine 
Nice. I love that. Talk to me about some of the things you are able to do in Lisbon that you weren't able to do elsewhere. What things that you're like, man, I'm so glad we made this movie because you're experiencing, whether it's culturally, historically, or food-wise, or anything like that, that you're like, yeah, this has been incredible. So glad I made it. Yeah. I think on the very basic level for my wife and I, it was just the small things. Like if you're, if you know your daily routine is you've got to get up and you go to the local cafe to get your local coffee. For us, that just seems so much more exciting when it was in another country. I know that seems really silly, but like we know what that looks like when we're in Melbourne, Australia. But to do that in Lisbon, Portugal and not really know and have to speak another language, that's just kind of like exciting in itself and understanding the cultural nuance here as well. I would say for me, one of the biggest reasons for Europe was because of travel and and wanting to see Europe. For Australians, a flight to Europe is 20 hours, 24 hours. So we talk in Australia about, you know, the pilgrimage of going over to Europe for your European summer, which is like mm-hmm. when you're 19 or 18, you go over here for like two months, you get drunk in every hostel, <laughs> you, you know, you go to Oktoberfest, Tomatina, Running of the Bulls. It's like a little tourist trail for Australians. And so that's the only way that we can do it is when we come over for three months or, you know, people come over for six weeks, which is great, but it only allows you to really like bullet through all these countries where for me now being able to come to Europe and go on week, week adventure. So I just came back from London. So my birthday and my wife was speaking at a conference that like that would never happen before that mm-hmm. now happens and that's awesome and we had like the best week and we're able to do it with dash which was like a massive unlock for us because you'd never be able to do that with a baby that's the other thing and our flight fine when we're bringing her over on a 20 or mm-hmm. it ended up being a 30-hour flight that was just like massive headaches so i think on the everyday level, living in a different culture is really exciting in even when you're doing the mundane day-to-day things. And then secondarily for an Australian, having access to Europe is key. Nice. Nice. Where where in Europe have you have you visited so far? And where are you like, I need to make sure I make it to? So we have just gone to we've just been here for four months. So not very, very many places. So our first trip was to London. But I've been to a couple of places in Portugal, Viana de Castelo and Avoira, which is just outside of Lisbon. But we've got some planned trips coming up with some friends to Puglia in Italy. Then we're going to Amsterdam and Rome as well. Then we've got a trip to Paris. When we took our year off, we really hit a lot of Eastern Europe. So we've done a lot of a lot of the places that I'd like to visit there. So we pretty much were in Georgia, Armenia, and then came through Romania, Moldova, Ukraine, Poland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. So really have done that kind of like that side of the Eastern Europe. So now it's Western Europe. And for me, it's kind of interesting. Like for me, I, I really, I, I like being around tourists. I know that's yeah. kind of like weird. People like hate tourists, yeah. or tourists, but I get energy when I'm like in a crowd of tourists. I'm like excited because everyone's stoked. Everyone's in a great mood. Yeah. And so 
for me, I'm like, that doesn't bother me. Those kind of big hit hitter tourist sites mm-hmm. like your Paris, like your London and Amsterdam's and Rome as the world. Um, I'm looking forward to that. So, and there's a reason they're kind of uh, classics and a lot of people yeah. want to go there because they've got such big cultural institutions, be that museums, be that sites, cultural sites yeah. as well. So, yeah, that's what I'm excited about and, and those going to those historical sites. Yeah, that's awesome. And it sounds like history is the common thread for you. It's a thing that kind of pulls you to where you want to go, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think history is something that I love. I love walking tours. I've written a couple of walking tours myself and planning on writing one when I'm here in Lisbon as well. And so having having access to all that history and, and, and being able to go on walking tours all the time is, is what I really love. Yeah. Have you found that you've had any experiences where you see experience of a, a historical location or artifact and, and you notice something different about yourself or you come out of it thinking differently about your, your place in the world or the way you see the world or anything of that nature? Good question. I'm trying to think if I've been transformed to that level by anything. Nothing springs to mind as kind of like a one piece that's transformed the way that I look at the world. No, I, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I would I have to say this, probably something, but nothing really stands out to me. Yeah. Yeah. So in general though, but how you how have you seen yourself change throughout the moves? Are you like are you now more patient? Are you now more like curious? Or you're already a pretty curious person as a strategist, right? So yeah. I'm very curious. You you came in with a mind for like experiences and and collecting insights naturally. So I'm curious, has it changed anything about you personally living a more nomad lifestyle? I would say you understand a little bit better when you're, when you're taken out of the environment that you start in and you start to become a foreigner or an alien or an immigrant in another culture. It helps you reflect on, I guess, who you are and where you got your own certain attributes from. So um, I think it allowed me to, it it probably helped me question a lot of that. And so when I was back in Australia, I was really interested in Australian history and why are Australians the way they are? So, you know, and I, I don't think I've got all the answers to this, but, you know, if you think about the tropes of what an Australian's like, it's like probably laid back, funny, big drinker, likes to travel. And so reflecting on those traits that I probably have, I'm like, okay, how did that all come to pass? Why why am I like that? I think that's probably what living overseas has allowed me to do. Yeah, yeah. So taking it a little bit with your daughter... How do you think you're, I mean, I, and I don't know what your plans are, but I assume at some, she's going to be old enough at some point where she's going to have the memories and the experiences of you, you know, living in different places. How do you think that would affect her? And is that something you're excited for? Or do you think you're going to try to settle down when she's a little older? 
Yeah, it's a conversation that I have with uh, my parents and my wife a lot, I think, really re- reflecting on like what does that mean with her traveling and, and everything. So to begin with, I think pretty excited for her to learn Portuguese yes. and be speaking Portuguese and be fluent in Portuguese. I think we we see her here and, and being able to speak like that for speak and learn Portuguese. So I think that on on a very first level, that would be really exciting. Long term, we've thought about it a lot that there's certain ages, you know, I speak to my parents who I really respect and, and they, you know, there's certain ages that they say, you probably need to settle down a kid for their own well-being of trying to make friends and stuff. So I think for us, and then also for education wise, what education is, school are you going to put them through so for us i think there's certain ages that we're thinking about like mm-hmm. definitely when dash is like 12 which is when we start high school in australia yeah understanding that we'll probably be settling down somewhere there so she can consistently run through from 12 to the end of high school yeah in one place um before then i think it, it'll be great to show her different cultures and expose her to different areas but it'll be interesting because as a kid, you, you know, not you don't you don't think that your life's any different from anyone else. So you she won't think that she's living a nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Like she's lived in a country that's not her own because that's just normal. That's just her life. So that's gonna be really interesting to see to and maybe, you know, on the downside of that, that might cause her issues. Mm. That might be harder for her to you know integrate back i can imagine if you're used to one culture which is portuguese culture and then you come over to another place like australia maybe she won't be able to pick up all the nuances or the cultural points that other people who have lived in australia their whole life will have so that could be a source a sore spot or something tough for her so yeah we're we're definitely thinking through it from all angles yeah well, I, you know, I think I look at it a couple of different ways, right? Like there's something beautiful about having a multicultural gr- experience growing up and being able to connect with different folks for sure. But then I, I think also there to your point about like having at some point settled, settling down to build relationships and friendships is also important. So, you know, but I think a lot of more people are going to be having these conversations with themselves and their partners because more people are just living this nomad lifestyle. It's, and there's something nice to it and lovely, but definitely challenges for sure. Yeah, um, it's definitely like a, a blank piece of paper, you know, like, and sometimes people don't want these choices. It's kind of easier to, you know, like if you, if I think of my parents, it's like they couldn't just up and go and lose, move to another country. Remote work now really opens that door and some people just don't want to, you know, like that door's kind of scary. It opens up a can of worms of questions. When you don't have a choice, life can be easier yeah. sometimes. Of course, paradox of choice for sure. Yeah. You know, let's just touch a little bit about more about the community you're building as you, as, because you, you, again, because of what you do, you have a, a global network of, of people that at least, I don't know if you would consider them friends, but people that know you and you go somewhere, you can probably get meet with people and such. How are you managing that? How are you, how are you approaching building and nurturing a community of friends and, and colleagues as you move around? Yeah. I think 
the one thing that I learned from LA is the social side, like the social side of it is so important and having friendship outside of your partner. So, you know, Amber would say, I can't be everything to you. Like she was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to be able to be everything to you. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're everything that I need. You're blah, blah, blah. And I was, and I used to fight her on that. And I'm like, so you're probably right. You, you can't be everything to me. So that was, that was a really eye-opening experience and being lonely for the first time in LA, I felt really trapped being, you know, LA is a very isolating city with the way that it's set up. Like if you think about it, just from an urban planning perspective, having a city that was developed during after the car revolution and, and, you know, America's the biggest offender of this, having cities that kind of isolate you in the suburbs and, you know, there's no serendipity. Obviously, New York, totally different kettle. Yeah. It's like, it's a European city really because it's yeah. like, Everything is so close in. So it didn't allow for any of those connections or feel like you're connecting with other humans. It, you know, just down on the street. If I walk down on the street here, plenty of people out and about. Everyone's, not many people have cars. Everyone's walking about. So I knew that social connection was going to be really important. I knew friendship was going to be really important. So moving here and what I've realized is when you're trying to make friends and the openness to make friends is on both sides of the equation, right? So like if you're new to a city, you are very open to making friends. If you've been in that city for eight years, mm -hmm. no, you kind of got your crew, you're, you're, you're all good. Yeah. So what I realized is you actually are probably going to make friends with people at the start, this is with people who are in the same boat as you. And when I say like same boat, I'm like, if they've moved in the last six months that you've moved, they're probably highly motivated to make friends as well. So I found this in Australia, like there was people who, I mean, not in Australia, I found it in New York with Australians. The people who moved over in like the year around the year that I moved around over, I had like a really solid crew of like 15 mates who were all in that for eight years, five years on, new Australians are moving over, but it, they weren't the people I were friends with, even though we were probably like same age, same things, had lots in common. And I think it is because they're new to the city, they're open. I've already got a full social calendar. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't, I don't need to make, you know, like I, I didn't need to meet heaps more new people. I already had these yeah. solid foundations and the things we were doing may be different from the things you're doing in year one. Like we're not going to the same places, you know, maybe they want to go to the Hamptons because they've never heard of that. And I'm like, gross, that's like the last place I want to go. <laughs> I've like done that. It's not me. No. So I think I've really analyzed it. I tried to analyze it to work, to, to make Portugal work. Cause I knew that friendship was going to be really important here. So going on lots of like friend dates, finding people, as you are saying, people in the strategy finishing school who are in Lisbon, I've been giving like a couple of free agency talks, but I, I honestly think that it's really hard to crack like local people who've lived mm -hmm. here their whole life because they're like, I don't need to make anyone new. Like mm -hmm. I got my high school mates, that's all good. So naturally I found myself probably around a lot more expats who are in the same boat as me, but 
I think, you know, as time goes on, as I see the same people more and more, I'm sure that group of, I'm going to have more Portuguese friends as well as the expat friends as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love the, I love the, that's a real powerful insight of like, essentially you guys, you have to meet people in the right mindset, right? You know, it's like, you can't just, you know, classic marketing, you know, but you can't just meet somebody, even though they have all the same qualities as you and expect it to work out if they're in a different mindset and, and place in their life for sure. I'm, I'm curious, what, what's your, go, what's your go-to friendship date? What, what does that, what does that look like for you? So at the moment there's like, uh, there's a couple of things. So there's like kiosks around here, which are like cafes in parks. And I really like that. That's kind of a big one. I think going for coffee with people, I know that's really yeah. boring, but it, it just seems to be like the first one. And then it's like, yeah. if you feel a connection and they want to be like mates as well, you usually can tell. And then it's like trying to find a hook of something that the two of us are interested in. So yeah. my first Lisbon friend, like who I didn't know before moving here, we met at a expat parents group and there was like a happy hour that they were putting on with lots of people. And I was like, I think I really like this guy, like get on. And then I'd heard he'd like posted in a WhatsApp group. He's running, like he'd run 10 K instead of going to the next meetup. And I'm like, oh, you're a runner. We definitely have to run sometime. And then yeah. we decided to run together. And now every Sunday we run together and it's awesome. It's like me and him are like good mates. And like now he's my like first friend here. He's got a, he's got a kid and my wife's friends with his wife. And yeah, yeah we get on so well. So that's like, that's been my winner so far. Yeah. Running is my hack right now. I just moved back to New York and I joined a running group and it was like the biggest Smartest thing I've ever done. Tons of friends through it. And, and you get to stay active and it's not just let's sit at a bar and drink, you know? So I yeah, definitely, definitely agree with the running one. Okay. We're going to go into what we're calling the rapid hideout, which I don't know if it's a great name or not, but it's just rapid fire questions, yeah. but to see, see where you're at. Okay. So what's your favorite, favorite city to work from so far? Yes. How rapid was I on this? Not very <laughs> rapid. So I haven't worked in enough cities, but I'm going to say Lisbon. Yeah. Good. Okay. That's good. Coffee or tea? Tea. Yeah. Go to productivity hack. Uh, writing a list down in the morning and then ranking it by importance and then deadline and giving it a score and then going down the list. Oh, I love that. That's really, really good. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Yes, yes, me too. Mountains or the beach? Cities. Yeah, just 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 get me away Cities. from water. Okay, so my I've got very pale skin, so I burn really easily. <laughs> yeah, I love the beach. I love swimming, so love that. Mountains, I'm like not so much on. Like yeah. hiking, I'm alright, but I love a city. Yeah, just get to stay in the city. Okay. Would you rather work out of a co-working space or a cafe? Co-working space. Yeah. Meet meet more people, connect that yeah. way. I think so. I've worked from home. I like working from home, honestly. Yeah. If I didn't have to make friends, I'd probably just stay at home. <laughs> work from home. Because I'm just so good at grinding at home. Yeah. But no, I've pushed myself since being in Lisbon to like work out of a co-working space even though it 
doesn't feel natural. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I have yet to make a friend out of a co-working space, but I personally, I sometimes get more energy when I'm there because I like being around people. So definitely get that. Last book you've read. I'm reading The Prophet at the moment. Don't know who it's by, but it's a good one. The other, the last one I've read, I've read a couple of books on the history of Lisbon as well that have been really good. Um, I'm reading Roger Crowley's Conquerors at the moment too. So just trying to learn about the place I'm in. Nice. Yeah, I love I love that you're a history buff. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Favorite travel accessory? I don't have one. It's such a good question. Uh, why wouldn't I have one? Oh, I really like those. When I was backpacking, I really like those bags within bags i don't know if you've ever had them like the square bags and you can put like all your clothes in them and then they were so handy i've i haven't used them again for a while but love them yeah like they protect the bag from like the weather and stuff essentially no they're like on the inside so if you've got like all your t-shirts you put it Mm -hmm. in you put it in a smaller zip bag Mm -hmm. and then so if you've got a backpack not all your shits in there you can kind of like take these smaller bags out okay and that was a game changer when traveling like backpacking yeah nice compositions and then what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working i do like running i do like going on walking tours and i do like learning about urban planning oh yeah yeah. that's hilarious i have the exact same thing i'm really you ever heard of the site citylab.com it's an offshoot of the atlantic it's all about city planning yeah check it out wow. it's, it was one of my favorite things to read you know i used to read a lot of like how cities are being developed and shaped it's really good yeah it's really interesting i i reckon if i wasn't doing strategy maybe i'd be in urban planning planning yeah. or at least a yeah. historian about urban planning i think that's really interesting yeah yeah, definitely, definitely worth checking out. I mean, the last one, what's your go-to app for when you're in, when you're remote working or on the go while working? Talk? <laughs> Just for distractions? I don't know. I don't really have an app that I use. Oh, like, I don't know if you call it like an app. So Discord or that's how I talk to my team and monday.com for like project management Management, yeah but like or google like i guess i guess maybe google workspaces because like everything that i do is in google Google. decks yeah that's great like if your computer gets stolen now it's like no big not that it has but it's like no big deal it's like everything's in the cloud so i love that so yeah Yeah. that makes sense i'm sure yeah i'm sure that when COVID happened somebody at google workspace is like my bonuses would be amazing this year or something like that <laughs> sure well julia that was awesome thank you so much for for going through that with us and teaching us a little bit about yourself and just the interesting nature of remote work and nomad lifestyle especially with a young kid like that is something that i haven't thought i didn't thought about yet like what would it be like having a, a small kid with you while you're doing this so appreciate the insights and the perspectives no worries glad i could help awesome thank you so much Well, that's it, folks. Thanks for joining us on Transient Conversations from Urban Hideout. We hope we brought you one step closer to living a digital nomad lifestyle or just exploring travel more often. 
Be sure to check out urbanhideout.co and try out our new vibe checker where you can learn about what people are saying and feeling about your next travel destination. We're all about the vibes from people living and working on the ground, giving you vibes over ratings. Well, until next time, this is your host, Apollo Bell, signing off.